Today's episode is brought to you by ports, wharfs, harbors, seaports, the plentiful dockyard, the haven from Poseidon's fury, the great train stations of the sea, the lifeline between nations, and other things I found in a thesaurus that have nothing to do with video games. It's 1991's Dr. Wily's Revenge and 1991's Mega Man 2 for the Game Boy. On today's episode, what am I podcasting for? Hello, and welcome to What Am I Podcasting For? My name is Garlisle, and this is the chronicle of my journey to play the entire Mega Man series, from Mega Man 1 to Mega Man 11, and as many of the 100-plus games in between as I can get away with. This episode is a little bit special because it's a double feature. We are going to begin tackling today the Game Boy series of the Mega Man games. The Game Boy first released in 1989 in Japan. It was a fairly decent success because the idea of having a handheld, adaptable gaming console was a big deal. There were absolutely ways to game in a handheld fashion prior to this. There were electronic toys that you could buy that essentially were pre-programmed with a single game. But an actual handheld device where you could swap the games in and out was a pretty big deal. Even if the color display was exceptionally limited, even if, you know, you had to constantly replace batteries for it because we hadn't really gotten around to rechargeables yet, being able to take a game with you on the go was a pretty big innovation for the time. Naturally, having been successful with the Mega Man series on the Nintendo Entertainment System, Capcom was interested in bringing that success over to the Game Boy and its new market. There were a few different ways they could have done this. The way that Capcom chose to do this was by creating what was known in Japan as the Rockman World subseries. This is still the classic Mega Man timeline. It is still the classic Mega Man characters and designs, and as you're going to see, a lot of stuff straight up reused from the NES games, which, by the way, is why we're doing two games at once for this episode. I don't really need to dig into a lot of the specifics of these games, because so much is legitimately borrowed from these games, and we'll get into just how much. Rather than just porting, say, Mega Man 1 as Mega Man 1 Game Boy, the Rockman World games look to put a little bit of a twist on things. So let's just dive right in with Rockman World 1, or as it was known in the West, Mega Man, Dr. Wily's Revenge. Dr. Wily's Revenge is essentially at its core a remake of Mega Man 1. But really, really early and quickly, you will notice some differences. First off, there is some new original music that is playing as early as the title screen. Second off, the password function has been brought back from Mega Man 2 and onwards, which is great. Even if this is a much shorter game than the original, having a password is still kind of essential especially considering your game can be ended at any point by running out of batteries back in the day. With that said, not everything that's been invented in the series has been brought back. We are back to Mega Man 1 and 2 level Mega Man controls, which is you can run, you can jump, you can shoot, and that's about it. There is no sliding or charge shot. We're, those are gone. There is no rush here either. We're, we're fully classic in this game. Also of note about these games is that they kind of had to reformat the way the game is displayed. Something to note about the Game Boy Mega Man games is they made a lot of effort to do everything they could to just straight up keep the visuals from the original games. 
Mega Man looks just like he does on the NES. All the bosses that you're going to face look just like they did on the NES. It's actually, in its own way, pretty impressive because Game Boy graphics are very limited. In order to make this work, all of the health bars and ammo and stuff, instead of being in the top corners of the screen, are now displayed as a single row along the bottom of the screen, which was something the NES Mega Man games didn't have to do, but was actually very common to many NES and Game Boy games back in the day, just because it was a much simpler way to render it in the actual coding. But other than that, you're going to find the game looks very familiar. We even still get a stage select screen. But unlike Mega Man 1, we only have four stages to select from this time. Cutman, Iceman, Elecman, and Fireman. Bombman and Gutsman are not here at all, and in fact, I don't think we're going to see them at all during the World Games. They are gone, and to be fair, of all the different weapons that existed in Mega Man 1, the Power Bomb and the Super Armor were pretty bad, so I think it's okay to not see them here. One thing to note is that these stages did have to be redesigned. I will get into some of the specifics in a moment, but I will talk a bit in general about what that means. One thing to note is that the resolution of the Game Boy screen is really limited compared to the amount of screen space you have on the NES. Even if everything is still functioning in 8-bit sprites, the sheer amount of space you have to display those sprites is much more limited, and that does have to be adapted for in the stage design. In an NES stage, for instance, you can absolutely have some platforming where if you fail the platform, you just land on the floor below you and you have to go back a little bit. That doesn't work nearly as well with the limited space of the Game Boy screen. As a result, one of the biggest differences between this game especially and the original Mega Man 1 is there's a heck of a lot more instant death going on here. There are a lot of pits to fall down. That's kind of how they sort of had to design the stages, I think. I'm going to be upfront about this one right now. Dr. Wily's Revenge is a harder game than Mega Man 1. In fact, it's the hardest of the series I have played so far. I'm very confident in saying that. Not only do you have a lot of platforming challenges where the punishment is just immediate death, but also Everything in this game seems to do a lot of damage to you. You can't afford to just tank things. You have to take every screen very cautiously and eliminate the enemy safely before you proceed. It is a tricky and difficult game, but that doesn't mean that it's necessarily a downgrade. In fact, I think a lot of the stages in this game, difficulty aside, are actually upgrades. Digging into some of these specifics here, Cutman's stage, instead of now just being a forgettable whatever of a generic stage that doesn't have much of note has taken some cues from Metal Man stage. You now have conveyors, you have new enemy types, you get this whole like production aesthetic to the stage, including like these new scissor traps that are, you can't kill them, but they fly around and they do a ton of damage and you have to deal with those. Iceman stage now includes some brand new gimmicks, like ice blocks that will steadily melt and shrink under your feet or rooms where you have to wait for icicles to fall, and then you can jump on top of those icicles to use them as platforms. Elecman stage still feels like Elecman stage. It's still a very vertically oriented climbing stage, but there's also the introduction of fans and other aspects that push and pull you around the stage a little bit to make platforming a little trickier. Fireman stage takes a lot of the, like, idea of flame pillars and other like timing obstacles that were present in the original stage and just puts those everywhere. There are stages that feel a lot more distinctive, I think, than the original Mega Man stages did, or at least like more involved. There's more to them. Generally speaking, I actually really like the stages in this. They're just tough. They're really tough. The stages even feature remixes of the classic tracks that really fit the game itself. 
They're not the exact tracks from the original NES titles, but they're pretty close. For the very limited sound capabilities of the Game Boy, they do a pretty decent job of it. The bosses are also familiar. They act in pretty much almost the exact same way. Elecman did feel much easier, and I'm not quite sure what changed this time around. Same with Fireman in general. I think he's a little bit slower and less aggressive. Cutman, by comparison, felt kind of rougher, probably because there's just there's just less room in his arena to deal with him. The weapons function largely the same, too. The rolling cutter from Cutman, its short range is not as big of an issue when you have a shorter screen to begin with, so it is a better weapon, and Fireman shot, the shield part of it lingers for longer, which is nice. Elecman's Thunderbeam was actually nerfed a little bit. It actually goes in like a wave design now, and can absolutely fire over the heads of enemies sometimes because of it. They're still, they're still familiar weapons, just slightly tweaked. One thing that isn't quite as familiar is something actually brand new that we get when we complete all four of these stages, which is a new utility weapon that's just referred to as Carry. Carry took me a bit to figure out what exactly it does, because it places a platform. But the place it puts that platform is basically slightly ahead of you and slightly below you, so that if you activate it while you're at the height of your jump, you will actually stop and land on that platform. So it's kind of a finickier item one, or balloon platform. The biggest limitation that it has is that you can't place another one while the current one is out. You have to wait for it to expire, which is a bit finicky, but anyway, having covered all of that already, we're already moving on to Dr. Wily's Fortress. Which, it's worth noting, we do get a cutscene of Mega Man arriving at the fortress. There is no map display this time of the fortress because there is only one stage within this fortress. It is one long stage. And I, I do mean it is a long stage. It has a little bit of everything you have faced so far in the game. And then, rather than putting you up against a giant robot boss or something, you go straight to the teleporter boss refights at the end. And at this point, you're probably thinking, oh, okay, we're about to end this game. So you step into a teleporter, and you're fighting Flashman. Surprise! This is one of the things that is actually really interesting about the Rockman World games. They are not solely based upon a single Mega Man game. We have had four bosses from Mega Man 1, and the four bosses we are going to refight in these teleporters are actually four of the bosses from Mega Man 2. Flashman, Quickman, Bubbleman, and Heatman are just straight up fought as these teleporter bosses instead of making you refight the original bosses. And it is worth noting, when you defeat these bosses, you also still acquire their weapons. And straight up, they are the weapons as they were in Mega Man 2, which means the atomic fire from Heatman still feels god-awful, although at least its ammo efficiency is better this time. The bubble lead doesn't have its unique interaction of finding invisible pitfalls this time, because those aren't part of a stage, but it is still a powerful weapon. Quickman's boomerang is still just really useful for its rapid fire. Flashman's time stopper is still kind of decent, but there isn't really a good opportunity to actually use it. There's, there's nothing in terms of like platforming challenges that really responds well to it in the remainder of the game. It's just there and you just get it, which is kind of unfortunate. But it is kind of a neat surprise to get this far into the game and do that. Anyway, you complete the teleporter rooms and you're probably expecting, hey, now we're going to fight Dr. Wily, right? Wrong! Now we actually get to fight a unique boss. In addition to bringing back eight bosses from previous games, the World Games also introduced a selection of Wily's custom robots called the Mega Man Killers. Basically robots he specifically designed with the intention of defeating Mega Man. The first of which is Anchor. Not Anchor Man, just Anchor, E-N-K-E-R. 
I don't know why Dr. Wiley just abandoned his naming traditions here, but here we are, I guess. Anchor is a spiky-headed robot that has what looks like a sword, and the only weapon that really works against him is your basic Mega Buster. When he's holding his sword above his head, you can fire the Mega Buster at him, and the shots will be drawn into the sword and deal damage to him, and you'll see him flash a little bit. After a couple of seconds, he will swing his sword, and the size of the projectile he throws is based on how many shots you actually fired at him, where if you tried to shoot him too much in too quick succession, it can be pretty difficult to actually dodge it, whereas if you take your time, it's not that bad. He then either runs, jumps, or double jumps his way over to the other side of the arena and repeats, and he's invincible during this time. Once you realize that only shooting him twice each time is safe and comfortable, the difficulty comes from being ready to adapt quickly to whatever random movement method he chooses. But it is fun to have basically a new robot master as a boss, and we also get a new weapon from defeating him, the Mirror Buster. The Mirror Buster puts up a shield in front of you while you hold the button, and that shield alone doesn't actually do anything. It doesn't hurt enemies, it doesn't consume ammo either. The moment you are hit with any sort of projectile attack, however, the Mirror Buster negates the attack and reflects the projectile at the cost of a little bit of ammo. It's actually kind of a fun weapon for that reason. And the good news is there will be a decent amount of shots remaining in the game aimed your way to actually take advantage of this weapon. Now, you're probably thinking, wait, but we're probably just about to fight Wily, right? Well, not quite. See, the fortress did only have one stage. So when we defeat Anchor, Dr. Wily takes off in his UFO and flies into space where he has a second fortress. <laughs> yep, <laughs> that's right, we're chasing after Wily in space this time. Second Wily Fortress, the Space Fortress, is another very lengthy stage where at least we get a little bit of time for the Mega Man 2 weapons that are here to breathe. At the end of this particularly lengthy stage, which again, there isn't really much new here other than like some Sniper Joe variants that like to run away while firing at you to get you to really use your weapons against them, we do fight a Wily machine at the end, which creepily enough looks more like Dr. Wily's face than like just like a generic robotic or like skull style face. It looks more like him, which is weird anyway. He keeps like spitting out these gear enemies that bounce around that we have to avoid while destroying his chin. And then after that, he becomes basically invincible. And what we have to do is while dodging this like claw attack that he is launching at you from time to time, we actually have to take advantage of specifically the mirror buster to reflect a different set of shots that he was firing because that's the only weapon that will hurt him. Fairly easy, but a bit of a nerve-wracking boss fight just because this is at the end of a long stage. So kind of like Mega Man 1, there is a bunch on the line as opposed to like the final boss just being its own stage. A game over here is a setback for sure. But once we take down Dr. Wily, that's it. That's, that's the end of Dr. Wily's Revenge. We get a credit scene of just an enemy roll call in space, which I think this is the first time in any of the games that some of these enemies actually are named in-game. The generic enemies actually have names. I'm not I'm not going to make the effort to learn them. Please don't expect that of me. Anyway, what do I think of Dr. Riley's Revenge? It might be a better game than the first game. Something to note that was very different about playing this game, aside from the difficulty, was the Mega Buster in this game is pitiful. It is weak. Especially coming off of just having talked about 
Mega Man 4, where we got the ability to charge it up. This is the opposite case, where all of the weapons may be minus atomic fire again. All of the weapons are useful because your basic weapon is so weak that everything feels like an upgrade. You actually want to use them because it is just faster and more effective and less likely to cause you to take damage in a game that is already really tough. This is, I think, actually a pretty good Mega Man game. It might be worth actually going back and playing, but do not make this your first Mega Man game. Oh, buddy. Having covered that, let's move on to Mega Man 2. Oh god, oh god, what the hell was that? Okay, so first things first, I'm getting this out of the way now. Most of the music in this game is really bad. Dr. Wily's Revenge did a lot of, like, at least remixing or keeping the spirit of the original game. I don't know what they were doing for Mega Man 2. There's, there's bits and pieces, maybe, of classic themes in there, but god dang it! This game was a disaster to listen to, and I just had to get that off my chest and into your ears, so you can understand. Stepping back from that immediate complaint that was audible the moment that I started up the game, I do have to talk about the fact that the English release title of this game is Mega Man 2. That is not going to fly on this podcast. <laughs> I am not going to clarify Mega Man 2 NES or Mega Man 2 Game Boy or anything like that in the future. I am going to refer to this game hereforth onwards as World 2. Because, like I mentioned at the start, the Japanese title of these games was Rockman World 1, Rockman World 2, and so forth. That way it's at least distinctive. Now, World 2 is definitely following in sort of the structure that was established back in World 1 in Dr. Wily's Revenge. So, what that means this time is we have a mixture of Mega Man 2 and Mega Man 3. From Mega Man 2, we are borrowing energy tanks are here, unlike Dr. Wily's Revenge, even though this game is notably easier and, like, enemies deal less damage to you, so they're not as important, I felt. You'll also be able to slide like you could in Mega Man 3. We're still not at the chargeable buster, but we can at least slide again to get a little bit of maneuverability, which is nice. And from various bosses at the start of the game, we will pick up the Rush Coil, the Rush Jet, and the Rush Marine again. These are the Mega Man 3 versions of these abilities, so the Rush Coil still lets you jump high. The Rush Jet is essentially a platform that you summon, you jump on, and then you can just move freely on. It is absolutely ridiculous. Because of how slow it is to consume energy in this version of the game specifically, it also basically obsoletes the Rush Coil by doing its job better for less energy. And the Rush Marine is even less useful than it was in Mega Man 3, I feel like. There's like three rooms total in the entire game where you can use the Marine. In two of those, it's literally just letting you skip under a platforming section instead of having to do it. And you could literally just fly over that section instead with the Rush Jet as well. I'm pretty sure by Mega Man 5, the Rush Marine is going to be gone because they realized it just doesn't work. Anyway, the four bosses we're going to be revisiting this time are Metal Man, Wood Man, Air Man, and Clash Man. Wait, what? Okay, for some reason, I didn't really bring this up, but Crashman's name can technically be localized as Clashman as well, and for some reason, that's the version they went with in the North American release of this game, even though it was Crashman back in the NES Mega Man 2. It really kind of makes me wonder just how much attention they paid to this game 
But I guess it's not like they really had to do much translation. There's so little dialogue in this. Anyway, frustration point of that aside. Most of these stages, again, are fairly close to the original stages, although now with generally completely new tracks that are inferior, if not outright aggressive to the ears. a couple things. One invention in this game is the idea of like half size terrain, where instead of taking up like a full 8x8 pixel chunk of the screen, it's taking up like a 4x8 in order to give a little bit more room for them to design around in the stages. I don't think they really used a whole lot of that or in any interesting ways, but they're at least starting to adapt more to the fact that they're on Game Boy. There seems to be less opportunities for instant death in these stages. We do see some subtler, newer changes to some of the stages. Woodman's stage actually looks very faithful to the original and has like a couple whole new segments. Like there is a brief section where you can use the Rush Marine, like I mentioned, but also Needleman's traps are present in the stage. Those like needles that come down from the ceiling. So it's it has a little bit of a platforming element to it now instead of being largely just a combat stage. It's all very familiar. Uh, the bosses act fairly the same, although they did adjust them, I think, a little bit more this time. Like, Woodman is a little bit slower and his shield toss is slower, because otherwise, if it was straight up just Woodman from 2, the small screen would have made that fight brutal. Uh, Airman deploys less tornadoes and they move slower this time, so it is easier to jump between them. Crashman, by comparison, his level of aggression and with the differences in movement is actually an extremely tough boss, or at least I had some heck with him. Even though he's doing the same stuff that he did in 2 that was largely predictable, just the fact that you were fighting in this small arena, much like Cutman in the previous game, does make a difference in how difficult the fight is. The weapons are pretty much the same too. The only noticeable difference really is that Woodman's Leaf Shield, each of the leaves in the shield is now actually counted individually as a projectile, as opposed to the entire thing as one projectile, which occasionally is a little advantageous. But again, it's a small tweak to a mostly eh weapon, and I say mostly eh because, hey, the metal blade is back, and it's just as ridiculous in this game as it was in the previous game, so here we go again. This time, we do not get a new utility weapon after completing the four stages because we've just been picking up the different rush forms throughout the first four stages, but we do head straight to Wily's Fortress, which this time when we arrive inside the fortress, we actually get a little cutscene that's animated using the sprites. Mega Man just skips basically the entire fortress and warps straight into Wily's room, but when he starts approaching Dr. Wily, the floor opens up from underneath him, and Mega Man falls into the teleporter room. So you're probably thinking, okay, this is the part where we fight four different Mega Man 3 bosses. And you're half right, because it isn't just the bosses this time. Each of these teleporters actually leads to, essentially, its own fortress stage, which are stages for our next four Robot Masters. One big thing to note, though, is this is considered Wily's Fortress Stages 1 through 4. While this time you have the option to take on these stages in whatever order you want, you are still considered to be within the fortress, which means that we do not get our weapon energy refilled between each of these stages, which is a bit rough. Anyway, the four Robot Masters we're revisiting this time, we have Top Man, Magnet Man, Needle Man, and Hard Man. Top Man and Magnet Man are really easy to cover. They are, they feel like they're almost the exact same stages as the original. There wasn't really any 
even like new gimmicks to them. The weapons, the magnet shot is still meh. The top spin is still fairly decent, but honestly, I maybe it was just that I got the top spin too late because I couldn't tell which teleporter leads to which stage, but I didn't find myself needing the top spin at all in this game, whereas it, it ended up becoming one of my favorite weapons back in Mega Man 3, so shrug. Needleman, I remember remarking that Needleman's stage in the original game felt really short and kind of pointless. Haha, <laughs> pointless. Needles. But this time, the stage gimmick of those descending spikes is actually used more frequently. It's even used as a trap during segments where you have to slide, so you have to like turn around mid-slide. At least it's a little bit more fleshed out, and I think is an improvement over the original Needleman stage. Hardman stage, again, largely combat-focused, not too much noticeable. The biggest thing I noticed with Hardman was a really good demonstration of how little damage things actually do to you in this game. I originally reached Hardman with very little health, died to him, and then decided to just try fighting him by standing next to him and mega-bustering him repeatedly, and I think he took off like five or six points of damage before I had just finished him off, because his damage was so low. I don't understand. Anyway, this time all of their weapons have to compete against the Metal Blade existing, so they're pretty meh. I did get a little bit of use out of the Hard Knuckles for a couple enemies that the Metal Blade wasn't working on, but that's about it. Again, the Metal Blade is just really one of the most powerful weapons the series has ever had, and it's famous for it, and it stays true here. And that just makes the Weapon Get screen kind of funny, because the Weapon Get screen is Mega Man, like, petting Rush and pointing at the weapon, but there's something about his expression and the way he's doing it that makes he, it look like he is mocking the weapon that you just got. Just being like, haha, it's not the Metal Blade. And me bringing this up now just reminded me I never mentioned the terrifying Get Weapon screen in Dr. Wily's Revenge, which for some reason shows Mega Man in like a cross section where the right half of his body is all the exposed internal wiring and like machinery and stuff and it's actually really creepy for some reason god why was that a thing anyway we finished the four stages and we drop down into our our next uh Mega Man killer fight quint is fairly small by robot master standards in fact he's about the same size as Mega Man and kind of looks like him just with like a slightly sleeker design shades and like a v headpiece he's hilarious as a joke there's like this pogo stick that jumps down next to him and he jumps onto it and then you start fighting him and he basically just makes a jump in your direction and uses the pogo stick like a jackhammer to throw up some fragments of stone around him. You literally just stand back from him and shoot him in the head a bunch of times and you defeat him. <laughs> Anger was kind of a creative and interesting boss. The idea of powering up based on the weapon that you used to attack him was fun. Quint is a dude on a pogo stick and jackhammer, and what? <laughs> and, oh god, we'll get to this in a moment, but oh boy, the what does not end here, let me tell you about this game. You do get his pogo stick as a weapon, by the way. It is so hard to use. It it could be fun, and it does do a decent amount of damage when you jump on things, but god, it's such a pain in the neck to use, especially against the last boss when we get there. It was struggling to actually hit the last boss when I was using it, and most of the time I'd just take damage instead. Why? I, I, I commend them trying a pogo stick as a weapon, but come on. Anyway, just like in Dr. Wily's Revenge, we finish the fortress and Dr. Wily is off to space again. And so we follow him into space, and all of a sudden we're in like, this like this abstracted stage with like clocks in the background and roman numeral floors and it's at this point i'm like okay what so bear with me as i cover 
the best part of Mega Man World 2. The story. <laughs> I'm really glad I found this out. So the backstory for this game is that Dr. Wily has invented a time machine. You might be thinking, oh, that that's what let him get his robots back from the past, right? Wrong. The time machine doesn't work backwards. It only works forwards. Dr. Wily can only travel to the future, which he's all bummed out about because he finds out, like, 30 years in the future, Mega Man beat his crap up so bad that he gave up and started working towards world peace. And so everything's great. And even Mega Man's gone back. He's allowed himself to be retrofitted out of being a combat robot and is now just a regular household assistant robot to Dr. Light and Dr. Wily in their like relaxed very very old years because apparently they're still around in 30 years despite the fact that they look like they're like 70 already anyway putting that aside for a moment dr wiley of the present decides to convince dr wiley of the future to change the past somehow despite the fact that future dr wiley is apparently reformed well it is dr wiley i guess it makes sense it's always dr wiley and they kidnap the future mega man present dr wiley brings him back to the present and basically reprograms him into Quint, the boss we just fought, and for some reason gives him a pogo stick and thinks that will beat Mega Man. <laughs> Guys, I can't make this one up. <laughs> we're not just in a space fortress, too, this time. We're in a time-space fortress. And, and if this wasn't weird enough, when we get to the end of the stage and we fight the Wily machine, it looks like a skeleton chicken. It has thin, bony legs, and it has f***ing chicken wings attached to it. And then when we beat the first phase of it, the top half, like, flies away as the legs explode, and it backs up. Then it's a chicken head on top of a tank, and, and it's fairly standard Wily Machine stuff, and we destroy it again. The chicken pod thing that Wily is piloting flies backwards and lands on top of a dinosaur body. <laughs> Guys. <laughs> I, I, and that, and the dinosaur doesn't even fight the way that you would expect, where it like charges at you or anything like that. It fires missiles and slams its tail into the ground, and somehow it's slamming its tail into the ground creates like random robot heads that get flung across the screen. At, uh, what? <laughs> this game was honestly not that great, but whatever the hell was going on in the creators' minds when they came up with the backstory and the finale of this game was something alright, because this is goofiest goddamn ending I have seen. And and so it's it's so rough because I have to say, like, ultimately, after Dr. Wily's Revenge, playing through Mega Man World 2 was kind of a disappointment. Like, it didn't improve upon the original levels in many ways, if at all. Like, the weapon selection just wasn't as important. And, God, the music, I just... Listen. While I recommend going back and playing Dr. Wily's Revenge, I honestly suggest leave World 2 at home. It is a trip. And, like, take a look at the final boss on YouTube so you can see just how ridiculous this goddamn chicken robot looks. But leave this game at home. Or in, like, the, the store, I guess, or whatever. This is a Mega Man game that I think you can skip and not miss out on.
Anyway, having covered both of those games, it is time to give a little bit of props to the music where the music is good, because it is difficult to do Game Boy music well. I did mention this, the sound on the Game Boy is even more limited than the original Mega Man. And these, these soundtracks are smaller, they are smaller games overall, but there was three tracks between the two games I do want to point out. One of which, in the spirit of remixing the original game's music, would be Elec Man's track. It still has a lot of the same energy and enthusiasm and style while still it still feels very much like the original Elec Man's theme, and it's still pretty good. track I'm going to bring up from World 2 that I can say that I actually really enjoy is Woodman's theme. You can still catch bits and pieces that sound like the original in this one, which is an improvement over most of World 2's tracks. It also doesn't really have spots where it uses any sounds that like are grating or difficult to the ears to listen to. God, so many tracks in World 2. Oh god, they, they actively are harmful to listen to, I swear. But Woodman's actually sounds pretty good. track overall out of these two games was the track for Wily's Fortress from Dr. Wily's Revenge. Not the Space Fortress, the Ground Fortress. It is, by Game Boy standards, a fairly lengthy track, which is somewhat rare, actually. And while the melody is fairly straightforward and maybe not anything too special, I appreciate that it varies the backbeat underneath the melody throughout the course of the song in order to, like, at least keep it from getting too repetitive for the length of the stage that you have to deal with. It's one of the better original compositions between the two games. we wrap up the first two Game Boy Mega Man games. The next time that we get back to the Game Boy will be with what will probably be another duo episode for World 3 and 4, but we've got at least two more games to go before then, and I think before we head back to the main series, it's gonna be time to go do some suffering once again with a game that probably would manage to have worse music than World 2 did. 
if it had music. But until then, thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to get in touch, I'm available at whatamipodcastingfor at gmail.com. You can check us out on Twitter at whatamipodcastfor, as in the number four, and get notified on there whenever new episodes go live. You can subscribe or get RSS feed or direct downloads or anything else you need at waaipf.podbean.com or check out your favorite distribution services because I'm solely showing up on them. Thanks so much for listening, and remember... Dr. Wiley built a goddamn time machine in the best he could come up with out of it was Rockman World 2. Dr. Wiley flies out of the fortress and escapes to the one place not yet corrupted by capitalism. Space! <laughs> I know we can't keep that. That's a beep.